So are you really nervous or really excited? I'm really, really nervous. You may kiss your bride. everybody <laughs> some of you go man I would love to go to a wedding like that all right <laughs> if a wedding could just end that way that would be awesome hey thank you for being here today for uh, week two of our series called end of days I'm so glad thank you for coming back some of you are like oh my gosh Sean I would miss this for the world but I have learned that when you talk about the end of days some people kind of get freaked out they're kind of like woo you know, it's kind of like playing a Led Zeppelin album backwards, you know, and, uh, and so I'm glad that you're here today. I am just fired up about this message because I believe today God's going to change some lives. And so uh, I, I want to tell you, if you missed last week, I encourage you to go back and watch the message. I've had so many great comments from some of you about the encouragement from Matthew 24, what Jesus told us. And, and we said this week one, it's so true. Jesus wanted us to know about the end of days so that we could live today. Like this whole thing about why are we doing this? You know, are we doing this? Is this a, a scare tactic? No, this isn't a scare tactic. Listen, Jesus wanted us to know about the end of days so that we could live today. Because if it doesn't impact how we live our lives today, then why are we even talking about it? I mean, there's, there's so much that God wants us to know. We also said this, is that we need to watch because people are watching us, right? I mean, we need to watch me, watch me, okay? Some of you go... No, don't do that. Okay, I won't do that. Okay, there will be no nay-nay today. Uh, there will be some shay-nay-nay today because my name's Sean, but there will be no nay-nay. Uh, but I do want to tell you this. People are watching us, and so they need to see in us this readiness, this preparedness that we're living intentional lives, right? And then we said it's not just uh, that we need to watch because people are watching us. We said we needed to be alert and not alarmed, in other words, as Christians, as Christ followers, we shouldn't be the people that are thinking about beanie weenies and bunkers and, and hiding buses in the side of Idaho and hunkering down, that we need to be the most alert people in this world living intentional lives. And that when we do that, that we're literally helping people know that we know who the Messiah is, that Jesus has come and he's coming back. And then we said this, it's profound that we live a life of love, Right? We need to love loud. Like, this is our moment. This is like the ninth inning of game seven of the, of the World Series, and the Cubs are up at bat, right? I mean, this is our moment. This is our moment. So we need to love loud. So last week, if you didn't hear that, I encourage you to do that. Uh, let me ask you guys this. Have you ever studied for an exam only to find out that the material you studied for wasn't on the exam? 
<laughs> Man, that got a response. Like some of you go, yes, okay, I heard all the students going, amen, brother, okay? I want you to know, I remember in college, it never fails, you study, 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 and this professor says, I want you to know all these things, you need to do this, da 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 and you get in for the exam, and the very things that are on the exam are not on the exam, and you have one of those, oh, Lord, help me moments, right? You start having flashes, and you're like, oh, okay, I remember... After I graduated from college, I used to, I, call, I didn't call them dreams, I called them nightmares. I used to have nightmares about waking up and they're thinking that there was a test I was supposed to show up for and I showed up for the test an hour late. Y'all ever had that dream? Okay, it's like having the dream that you're naked, okay? It's one of those dreams that when you have, you're just like, oh my gosh. How many times have we taken an exam only to find out that the very thing that was on the exam was not what we studied for? When it comes to studying the end of days, that's what happens with a lot of people. They spend a lot of time talking about Jesus' return or talking about seals and bowls and, and all the different elements about his coming, all of which are true. Some of which are true. Don't read it on the internet, okay? That's like going to WebMD saying, I have an itch on my right shoulder. Okay, they're gonna tell you you're gonna get it amputated. I'm just gonna tell you that, okay? You gotta be careful, And so this idea that you show up and you say, Jesus, is all of this really even on the test? Because when it comes to Christ's return, when it comes to when Jesus is coming back, it's really like a pop quiz. You know it's happening. You know it's going to happen. You just don't know when. And so then in our world, we suffer from a lot of things that I want to talk about today. But one of the things that we suffer from in this idea of the culture we live in is something that I call FOMO. Everyone say FOMO. (laughs) Say it better than that. Say FOMO. All right. Some of you are suffering deeply from FOMO. You go, I have no idea. Is there a cream for that? No. Better than that. We've got an answer for that. Here's what FOMO is. The fear of missing out. You say, I've never heard of that term before. Well, it's funny. On psychology websites now, there is a true term known as FOMO. And here's what it says. It's anxiety that an exciting or interesting event may currently be happening elsewhere, often aroused by a post seen on social media. I know none of you struggle with that, right? You don't look at social media and go, oh, I still missed it. But yet our whole world struggles with FOMO. And when it comes to the facts about Jesus' return, there's kind of this FOMO, like I have this fear, I don't want to miss out. And what I want to share with you today is when Jesus comes back, you won't miss out. The question is, what will happen? And will you have studied the right things that are going to be on the exam? Because the worst thing in the world is to show up and realize there wasn't even a test today. See, here's the truth. Jesus doesn't want any of us to, stu- to suffer from FOMO. He really doesn't. And so what I want to share with you today, I think is going to help us. So back in the early days, right after Jesus left this earth, the early Christians, the early believers had a term that they went around and they greeted one another with Because literally back then, as Jesus left this earth and went to be with the Father, the early Christians believed that Jesus would come back any day. In fact, they literally lived every day like, is today the day? And here's what they would do. They would walk up and they would greet each other with this term, Maranatha. Maranatha. 
You say, what is that? Like, that sounds like something my grandpa would say, okay? Maranatha, it meant Jesus is coming back. It was a reassuring term. It's like what some of you say when you say, it's Friday, <laughs> right? There's just something about when you go to work and you say, it's Friday, everyone goes, oh, okay. The, the early Christians, they would walk around and they would say, Maranatha, Jesus is coming back. Maranatha, it's not going to be long. Jesus is coming back because they lived such every day with this expectancy of Christ's return. So I want to ask you today, when I say to you, Maranatha, what do you say? Yeah. You answered like most of the world would answer. Some of you in here are like, yes, I don't have to take that Spanish exam next week, all right? Some of you in this room are like, I hated my job. I want Jesus to come back, okay? But most of you in this room, you had a gamut of responses. And I promise you, if I walked into Starbucks today and everyone was crowded around on a Tuesday afternoon and I said, hey, everybody, Maranatha, they would look at me like, what? Is that a new drink? Like, does that come out after Thanksgiving? Or, you know, what is going on? Our world, when you say those terms, has a gamut of responses. Some of you say, oh, no. Some of you say, so what? Jesus is coming back, so what? Some of you in this room, you go, when? Like, I want to know when. Like, I want to know the day and the hour. And, and, and then some of you in this room, you go, how? How is Jesus coming back? I mean, how's that whole thing going to go down? And then some of you in this room, you were the ones that said, woo! Oh, yeah! You know? And I understand some of you, listen, if, if, if you're a Michigan fan today... You're praying Jesus comes back now. Come so, Lord Jesus, come now. Because you know ESPN's going to wear out that play. All right? That was the okie-dokie backwards pass. All right? Just got to say that. But here's the thought. The truth is, here's what most of us would say. Whoa. Wait a minute. I'm not ready. Jesus is coming back. Whoa. Wait a minute. I'm not ready. I'm not ready for Jesus to come back. Because I know, I remember thinking that myself. And, and, and so what we do is we think that we have to study more to prepare for his coming or that I need more information about all the little details or what's going to happen and that maybe I still have things to do. And so we go, whoa, wait a minute. I'm not ready. You know, getting ready is important. How many of you guys have ever packed for a trip and realized you packed the wrong things? You ever done that? You, you lay out your suitcase, you know, you got about three hours before you got to catch that flight. And so you say, okay, I got to get my toothbrush. Okay, I got to pack underwear. I got to pack all these things. You start throwing everything in your bag and then you get to the destination. You even plan out your route and your location and you get to the destination and you realized you forgot something. You open your suitcase and you go, oh, no toothbrush. Hmm, sweater's on the teeth for three days. Hmm, what's this about, okay? Or you open your suitcase and this is the fear of all fears. <gasps> no underwear. And then you realize the only pair that you brought is the pair you have on. And then you got to decide, is Monday inside day or is Tuesday outside day? I have no idea. Right? Some of you go, I would never do that. Yes, you would. That's how I knew about it. Some of you said, would you pray for my mom? I'm, I have fear that she struggles with this. Okay, the truth is this. 
We get ready for a trip, and when we get there, the greatest fear we have sometimes is we're not ready. And the truth is, God doesn't want this to happen to us. That's not why we're talking about the end of days. God wants us to be ready. In fact, I want to say this to you today. God wants us to know some things, and then he wants us to do some things for this reason. Jesus wants us to get ready so we will be ready. If you have your Bible, I want you to open it up to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians 4, it's a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica. It's about halfway through the New Testament. So if you're turning over there, you're kind of new to faith, man, I encourage you. Turn over there in your Bible, look at it on your device. But we're going to be looking in this letter that Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica. Now here's what's really cool. The church we're talking about today was one of the Macedonian churches that we talked about two weeks ago on October the 4th. It was so generous. And so you wonder, well, you know, they're out there and they're out giving the Corinthian church and what were they like? You're about to see what they're like. Paul looks at the church at Thessalonians and here's what we know from history. This was probably one of the first letters that Paul ever wrote to a church. And it probably happened within 15 to 20 years of Jesus leaving the earth. So think about the the believers going around expecting that Jesus was going to come back at any moment, and Paul writes a letter to the church at Thessalonica. He spent probably a total of about three weeks with them, pouring into them, helping them know some things, and then he sent a letter with Timothy to the Thessalonica church, and he basically praises them. Here's what he says. He says, man, you guys are doing good. In fact... If you look at verse 1, he basically says, you guys have amazing faith, you have amazing love, and you're living with such amazing hope. So he's basically saying, man, you guys, are, you guys are doing what you need to do in light of the end times. He praises them for how they're living. He wanted them to know that in the midst of all that, Jesus was still coming back. In fact, they were living in a time of deep immorality, deep suffering, and deep persecution. Because at the time when he wrote this letter, there were literally thousands and thousands of Christians who were probably dying for the fact that they believed in the name of Jesus. Sound familiar to our day? We're living in that day. Remember we said last week, these things that are happening, they happen in every generation, but they're birth pains. They bring us closer and closer and closer to Jesus coming back. And so Paul, in the midst of this, he said, hey, I don't want you to get distracted. I don't want you to get discouraged. I don't want you to lose the hope that Jesus is coming back for you. I don't want you to quit asking, Jesus, when are you coming back? I want you to live expectantly. And I want you to live in such a way that your faith and your hope and your love impresses upon the culture in which you live. I want you to always say, Maranatha, Jesus is coming back. So in verse 13 of chapter 4, Paul tells them some things that we need to know about the return of Jesus. There's three things that he tells them that we need to know, and then there's one thing that he told them you need to do. Look at verse 13. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, 
so that you not gre- so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Now, I've done enough funerals before. I've heard this verse a million times at a funeral. Basically, they say, "Hey, for the believer who dies before Jesus comes back, you don't need to grieve like the world grieves because you have hope of where they are. Like their soul is with Jesus." That's what he was reminding them of. But then Paul told them three things that, hey, I want you to know this, and this is why I'm writing this to you. The first one is this. I want you to know about the return. Jesus is coming back. I want you to know the return. Jesus is coming back. Look what he says in in verse 14. He says, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. So what does he mean when he says those who have fallen asleep? You say, Sean, I sit next to that person in church all the time. They make it about 15 minutes into your sermon, and then, dude, they're out, okay? Or Paul wasn't talking about those people who sleep in church, okay? He was talking about people who would die before Jesus came back. He said, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to, to think about all this. Here's what I want you to know. Jesus is coming back. Remember in John 14, 3, Jesus was about to leave and he told his disciples, he said, hey guys, I'm gonna leave here and I'm gonna go prepare a place for you so that when I come back, I can take you to where I'm going. Remember that moment in scripture? Paul went back here and he said, listen, I want you to know about those who have fallen asleep. I want you to know about those who died before Jesus' return. It's the same word that Jesus used in John 11 when he spoke about Lazarus. Remember, they, his, the brother had died of the, the sisters, and they came and said, Jesus, Lazarus is dead. And he said, he's not dead. He's just what? Fallen asleep. And Jesus went on to say, I am the resurrection and the life. That was that moment. And then look what he says in verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. The return. Jesus is coming back. Maranatha. You say, what, what, how's Jesus coming back? What's gonna happen? It says right there, he's gonna come suddenly. Here's the thing I know about Jesus' return. There will be no FOMO. You won't be looking online going, oh, 39 minutes ago, Jesus came back to the earth. Oh, I missed it. <laughs> the Bible says when he steps out of the clouds suddenly, when he steps out of the heaven and into the clouds, the whole world will know it. And some of you sitting here today like, wow, like no one's ever told me that. Well, here's the cool thing. He says he will come suddenly and that we will hear God's voice. We will hear it in a loud command. Now think about this. God spoke in Genesis 1 and the earth was formed. The mountains were formed. (laughs) Can you imagine the moment when Jesus steps from the heavens into the clouds and the whole world sees him and the world hears his voice, the Bible says that there's gonna be loud shouts that Michael, the archangel, there's one archangel that he's literally gonna cry out in a loud voice. It's gonna be like a trumpet, okay? So I gotta ask it this way. How many of you guys like loud music? I got two hands up. All right, I love loud music. 
Okay, that's why I can't hear some of you when you talk to me because I've been to some great concerts, all right? And, and I just want to say this. If you don't like loud music, boy, you're going to have a really hard time when Jesus steps out of the heavens into the clouds because the whole world is going to hear it and the archangel's going to call out and everybody's going to know. And here's the thing I ask. Why are they shouting? You know why they're shouting? Because it proves they have the victory. You don't shout when you don't have victory. I didn't see any fans whose team lost on college football yesterday in the end zone going, oh, we lost, we lost, we lost. Okay, there was none of that. But when you win, I mean, people are jumping in the stands, right? Doing cartwheels, kissing babies. When Jesus comes back, he's gonna come back suddenly. The whole world will know it. The whole world will hear it. And here's the beautiful thing about it. Listen, this gets really good. When that moment happens, he's going to shout. Why? Because he's going to tell the world, victory. I'm back. Maranatha. He said, I want you to know about the return. That's what Paul said. The second thing he said is this. I want you to know about the rapture. I want you to know about the rapture, the moment when Christians are literally taken away. They're taken away from this earth. Some of you go, Sean, I've never heard that before, so I want to break it down for you. Look what he says in verse 17. He said, after that, like after this moment that Jesus shows up on the scene, he said, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds. Who's the them? The people who were dead. So Jesus is going to come back. The whole world's going to know it. You're going to see dead people coming out of the grave, and you're going to be like, holy cow. Like, there's granny. She's never looked that good, okay? It's going to be a moment. But in that moment, we who are still alive are going to be caught up in the clouds with Jesus. You say, uh-uh. Because no one, everyone knows that word rapture is not in the Bible. You're exactly right. The word rapture comes from the phrase caught up. And that phrase basically means this. The Greek word is the word harpazo. It means to be suddenly taken away or be snatched up. When Jesus comes in the cloud, it's going to be very clear. And the angel shouts, Jesus is here. The king is here. The victor is here. When he shows up, those of us who are still alive, who know Jesus Christ, we're going to be snatched out of this world. I mean, just think about that. We are going to be snatched up. Some of you go, praise God. Like this world is getting weird, okay? But I want to say to you today, he is very clear. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 4, he says he comes like a thief in the night. Now, I don't know if you've ever been stolen from. When I was eight years old, I had a very traumatic event happen to me. I had a Huffy bicycle, okay, with the Huffy BMX bars. And I parked it beside of my house right outside of my bedroom, because certainly no one would come take it there. And I wake up one morning, and I come around the house to jump on my bike, and somebody had stolen my bike like a thief in the night. I was shocked. The Bible says when Jesus shows up, he's going to show up like a thief in the night. So all these people that are saying, oh, it's going to happen on this date at this time, listen, they don't know what they're talking about. Nobody knows. Jesus himself doesn't know. But it's important that we know what's going to happen. So what's going to happen? The world's going to freak out. Okay? I mean, the world is going to freak out. They're going to be like, OMG. 
Dead people coming alive to meet Jesus, alive people who know Jesus going to meet Jesus, and they're going to be standing there going, what's happening to me? The world's going to freak out. So here's the thought I had. I want to be very selective about what I might be doing when Jesus comes back. You tracking with me? Like, I don't want to be in the shower when Jesus comes back. Amen? Can I get a witness there? I don't want to come through the shower, like through the, through the roof, and, and, and there's nothing but pert plus all over my hair. And, and, and I'm sitting there going, wow, this is awkward. And some of you are looking at me going, hey, Pastor Sean, how you doing? <laughs> I mean, what's going on? All right? So I, I thought about that, and I thought, how does the world view this? Well, well, think about this. In Revelation 16, 15, it says, look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed, <laughs> so that he will not go naked and be shamefully exposed. <laughs> and I thought, there's just certain things I don't want to be doing when Jesus comes back, if you know what I'm talking about. So some of you go, dude, you need help. Yes, and that's why the grace of God's being applied to my life, okay? The rapture, the moment when Jesus comes and he's gonna call us up. You know, every time I talk about this, here's the question I get from people. Well, Sean, what's, what's this whole deal about the tribulation? Like I hear these stories that Jesus is going to come and then there's going to be seven years of like really bad things happen on the earth. And, and then some people go, no, that's going to happen halfway through. There's going to be like three and a half years and then Jesus comes and then three and a half other years. And then some people go, no, there's going to be seven years and then Jesus is going to come at the end of that. Let me ask you a question. Do you really think that's going to be on the test? We can spend our whole life talking about the end times or we can spend our whole life studying Jesus. You see, I know there's a lot of positions and here's the thought, I could put an expert on every one of those positions who could stand up here and theologically tell you why they believe what they believe. But I wanna tell you what I believe. Revelations three tells us that in Revelations one, two, and three, there are seven lampstands known as the seven churches. I personally believe Jesus is coming back before the tribulation. That's just my opinion. You say, well, let me share my opinion. No, I'm sorry, you're not the preacher, okay? <laughs> but today, I get to share my opinion. When you look at Revelations 4, there's no more talk about those churches. I believe that Jesus is coming back, and then we're going to face seven years of tribulation. Not those who go with Jesus, but those who are left here. You see, it brings up the question... Is there a difference between this event called the rapture and the second coming of Christ? There is. Some of you go, what? I thought it was all one event. No, the Bible says Jesus is going to step out of heaven, step into the clouds. His foot will never touch the earth. And those who are dead in Christ and those who are alive in Christ will go to be with him. That's the rapture. The second coming comes after that. And let me explain. How is Jesus going to come? At the rapture, he comes in the cloud. At the second coming, he comes to the earth. At the rapture, Jesus takes believers, those who have trusted Christ as Savior and Lord, and at the second coming of Christ, Jesus comes to judge the world. They're two different events. And he wants us to get ready. You see, what's going to happen? You see, at the rapture, the rapture could happen anytime. 
The second coming of Christ, I believe it happens at the end of the tribulation. When Jesus comes to reign for a thousand years. You say, well, all my life, Sean, I've been told that all these little events have to happen and then Jesus comes back for the rapture. Nope. According to this scripture right here, Jesus could come back now. There is no world event that is left to be done before Jesus has to come from the heavens to the cloud and we go to home and he snatches us up. Maranatha, Jesus is coming. He wants us to know these things. He wants us to know Paul said, I want you to know Jesus is coming. There's a return. I want you to know about the rapture. Jesus is coming to take Christians away. And then I love this. He says, I want you to know about this reunion, that we will be with Jesus forever. Those of us who know Christ, and this is real important because I want to encourage you with this today. Verse 17 and 18, he says, when this happens, when we are caught up in the clouds with Christ, those who know him, he says, so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. What does that mean? We will be with the Lord forever. Here's what it means. There is going to be a lot of no mores. No more sickness. No more suffering. No more cancer. No more children dying because they can't get fresh water. No more abuse. Because those of us who know Christ, when we are caught up in the clouds, everything that this earth served to us in suffering will be done. You remember the context? They were awaiting. Jesus is coming back any day. And Paul looks at them. He says, I want you to know he's coming back. And he's going to, if you know him, he's going to take you in the clouds. And, and then he said, and this reunion is going to be the fact that there's going to be all this stuff that you've dealt with here that you will no more deal with. Because many times we go to people and we say to them, hey, listen, you know, I want to help you. I know you're going through a difficult time. When we ought to say to them the same thing that they said back in these days, listen, Jesus is coming back for you. He's coming back. And if you know him, he's coming back for you because there's going to be no more cancer. There's going to be no more seven-year-olds who die before their eighth birthday. We will be with the Lord forever. I'm going to be talking about heaven next week, so I encourage you, bring some people back. As we finish this series up, I'm going to hit on that subject, but I want you to understand there is a return and there is a reunion. And for those of us that are in Christ, Jesus is coming back, and there's going to be a lot of no mores. And then he says in verse 18, therefore, in other words, in everything I just said to you, encourage one another with these words. See, when we know that we're going to be with Jesus forever, we have a lot to encourage each other with today. Isn't that true? Puts it all in perspective. My 78 years here really aren't nothing compared to eternity. 
So how do you live? He said, I want these things to encourage you. I mean, think about it. When people in the world talk about Jesus' return, it's the, oh no, beanie weenies and bunkers. (laughs) How do we encourage each other? You know, Paul had a word for that because remember what I said, there are three things he wanted us to know and there's one thing he wanted us to do. If we know these things, we should live with greater urgency, purpose, and passion. So if you have your Bible, turn to one other passage and then we're gonna close. 1 Corinthians 15. Paul speaking to the church at Corinth about this very issue. Jesus' return to the earth. Jesus' return to take his people home. This is why this should encourage us. Look what he says, verse 51. Listen, I tell you a mystery. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable and will be changed. Listen, (laughs) there will be no more diets. (laughs) There'll be no more workout videos. Right? All this stuff about, I wish I could change. Oh, gee. Paul looks at him and he said, listen, in a twinkling of an eye, when Jesus steps out of the heaven and he comes back to take his own, everything that was perishable becomes imperishable. Verse 53, for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. In other words, those who are dead are going to be raised up and their, (laughs) their mortality will be forever gone. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Where is this saying? It's in the book of Hosea. He's talking about the prophet Hosea when he said these, these words. He said, death has been swallowed up in victory at the moment Jesus comes back. He says, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? And then in, look at verse 57. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, you talk about total transformation. When Jesus comes and the trumpet sounds, Those of us who know the Lord, we're going to be changed. Changed. How should this encourage us? Well, he tells us what we're supposed to do as believers in Christ. Look at verse 58. He says, therefore, in other words, after everything I just said to you, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Watch. The world's watching us. Stand firm. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Here's what he said to us as believers. He said, you need to stand firm and serve the Lord. How do I get ready if I'm a believer in Christ? Do I need to sell all my possessions and go get me an old bus and put it on the side of a mountain in Idaho? Mm -mm. I need to stand firm. And I need to invest my life in serving the Lord because these are the things that when Jesus comes back, these are the things that will probably matter for eternity. Stand firm. Serve the Lord. What if you're here today and you're not a believer? 
What if everything I just shared with you, you've got that phrase of, oh no, uh oh, I'm not ready. Whoa, wait a minute, Jesus. If you're not a believer in Christ, then here's what you need to do you need to give your life to Jesus and get ready. It's real simple. There is no amount of religion that can make you ready. But remember what I said in the very beginning? Jesus didn't want us to fear missing out. He said, I want you to get ready so that you will be ready. Maranatha, Jesus is coming back. 